I would love for you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, though. We're going to park it right there. Uh, we're going to refer to chapter 14. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis. We're going to be in Isaiah. But we're going to really park most of our time We're going to really park most of our time in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So uh, before we do that, though, I want to just make sure that you have one of these. Uh, a couple months ago, we walked through a, um, a vision night where we were able to communicate from our leadership team uh, what a new vision looks like for us going forward, a vision 2025 for the next seven years. Actually, guys, the next six years. Really? Whoa. Yeah, this is happening. Uh, what's going to happen here at Conduit? What our heart, what our vision is, what we feel God is calling this church to um, in this city and in this region. And I think that a big part of what we're going to do in this series, Every Man, Woman, and Child, has a lot to do with this. That, that We've covered a lot of this. We've revisited this quite a bit. Uh, we're going to be spending a lot of time touching on this, although we will not dive through the content of this today, but it is important that you have one of these. So if you could just do me a favor, you can take this home uh, and read this later, put it on your fridge or, or, um, or a place where you're going to um, not lose it and refer back to it and pray over it. Um, if you could just raise your hand if you do not have one or you lost one or you want an extra one or want to take one to a friend, if you could just raise your hand. We've got some guys in the back that would love to give you one, or if you want an extra one, we've got plenty. Just keep your hand straight up, and those guys will get you one. want to make sure that you have that. Now, uh, one of my major, major goals of today is prayer. Um, that prayer has been heavy on my heart for this body, for my life, for everything. Uh, in the last uh, week, especially. Um, and so I want to take some extra time. Obviously the church, <laughs> Jesus describes his, his church as specifically the building or the temple, um, so to speak, as a house of prayer. And obviously the church is always supposed to be a house of prayer, but sometimes we don't take, and we'll pray here or we'll pray there, but sometimes we don't take that extended time to literally just pray. And um, my desire is to not necessarily rifle through a list of wishes or things that we have or, or some of the New Year's resolutions that we've already uh, slipped up on um, or things that we want to happen this year or goal-driven. I just simply want us to spend some time uh, in prayer. Maybe there's some things that we need to pray about as a church or, or maybe some things we need to pray about as a family. But, but more importantly, I, I want to spend um, qu quite a bit of time here at the end of the service uh, just you praying. I think that sometimes it, it can be a distraction. If, if I was to say, okay, get in groups of three or four or five or ten, that's great. That's powerful and amazing. Um, and there's for that. But there's also times where you need to talk to your Heavenly Father. And there's times where you need to literally just open up and confess. And you need to open up and reconnect. And you need to open up and literally just recharge where you need to be. 
And I want to spend, um, I want to spend some time doing that um, towards the end of the service. And I want to kind of set us up for that. So that's really my, one of my main goals this morning as we build up into that. But um, as we begin this series, it, it's, it's a little bit, it, we're taking a little bit different of an angle than I first originally had planned uh, with this series. I thought, okay, we're going to start the year. We just walked through this uh, Vision 2025. This uh, vision for Conduit as we go into the next several years. A lot of new initiatives starting. Uh, new leadership has come on board. Um, which you're going to be meeting some of the new leadership. I don't know if you've seen as you came in uh, uh, some of the uh, posters near the doors that you came in, some of the new leadership, and um, we're going to actually have them come up on stage here in a couple weeks. They don't know it yet, um, but we're going to actually walk them through publicly a, a covenant, um, a repeat-after-me covenant, just and as you as a body pray over them, because it's a big responsibility to lead a church. It's a big responsibility as they, as they pray for you, as they lead you, um, and guide you, and help you, and shepherd you. Um, and so there's a lot of those things that it'd be really exciting at this moment to say, okay, for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about where we're going as a church. And so this idea of every man, woman, and child for us as a church, we're headed out, not just in our homes and in this church, but into the city. We're headed out to do and to be on mission. But I also feel like more timely in the next several weeks, myself and Pastor Cameron um, are going to just take a few weeks to walk us through individually what this looks like. What is God's ultimate vision? What is Conduit's ultimate vision for every man, woman, and child, that, including you and me? What is the mission that God has for us? And so if you've seen this brochure, if you've seen um, on the walls, or if you, certainly you couldn't miss it when you came in the foyer, you see these giant words on the wall that is simply our mission statement. You hear these words all the time, live, love, serve. And, and sometimes you'll see the extended version of that is that, that our mission here at Conduit is to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus and to serve like Jesus. That is the ultimate mission that God has given to us. And I, I think before we start, before we go any further, I, I need you to understand and I, and I want myself to understand that this is the ultimate fulfilling purpose of our lives. It's, it's right there. It's right in that moment of living and loving and serving like Jesus is where we will feel the most fulfilled. I, I get it. I, I'll be honest with you. This, this week, this like first part of January, vulnerably, frankly, if I can be that with you, um, it's probably my least favorite of the year for lots of reasons, but... There, there's so much like, get your stuff together, woohoo! And like you start to see how you're, you don't got your stuff together. And like you, like you wanted to be here, and then you start thinking about where you wanted to be this, like to that, the beginning of 2018 and 17, and then you're like, shoot, man! And then you're just like throwing the towel, and you're not where you need to be, right? And it's kind of discouraging. This is the time of year where we start to really recognize, and at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but and it's, I'm very goal-driven. I love to hit the goals, but at the end of the day, sometimes it just feels like 
It feels empty. It doesn't feel satisfying. Like there's never this moment of true fulfillment that the Apostle Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. He's like, I've learned what it's like to be full and I've learned what it's like to be hungry. And in either state, in everything in between, I've learned to be content. And I think the reason Paul says that, I think this is it, is he learned to live, love, and serve like his Savior, Jesus Christ. And I think that is ultimately our desire. That is me. That is Pastor Cameron. That is Katie. That is Brigetta. That is Ellen. That is the staff. That is the leadership. That is all of these people in this room's desire as a body for each and every one of each other. It's our desire is that we would literally live like Jesus and love like Jesus and serve like Jesus. Because it's in that moment, it's in that life, it's on that path where we will feel the most fulfilled. Where we will feel the most fulfilled. But what does that, what does that ultimately look like? You're looking at me like, all right, cool. Cool words, I get it. You put them really big on the wall. But what does that really mean? And I, and I would argue that it, it literally, it means probably something different for each one of you. It, meaning that all of you maybe are on a different path. And that's kind of the direction I wanted to go today with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, I recently, uh, <laughs> a couple months ago, you know, usually you build a sermon on something you're excited about. You build a sermon on, or, or, or a, a sermon series, or, or an idea, or a, a, a lesson plan, or something you're teaching. Usually you build it on something you're excited about. Today, this, <laughs> the idea for this sermon kind of came from a really frustrating conversation. Um, have you ever thought, like, have you ever been in that spot where you had a really frustrating conversation? It wasn't necessarily an argument, or it was just like, like, wait, really? People really think that? And then your wheels started to turn? Well, that's what happened to me a couple months ago. Um, I had a conversation with someone that um, uh, had been attending here, and um, they were newly attending here. And... Um, conversation went something like this where they were communicating how um, lovingly welcoming you were. And hopefully you guys have all experienced that. Um, and you're all smiling like, yay, warm fuzzies. People are really nice here. Yeah. Um, and it is. it is. It is one of the most welcoming churches I've ever even walked into. It's incredible. Um, and they talked about that and how that's really helped them because um, they're going through a really, really hard time. Um, and th this person is, 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 is strong in their faith, um, has, has been a leader in the church, and, um, but this person is going through a, a tough time. And they said something to me that, that the, the conversation didn't go there. But my brain went like, like, like alerts and bells and sirens are going off because they said something to the effect of they're attending because they know they need at some point down the road to get to a place so that they can be used of God again. Time out. 
Hold on a second. If, if this church is a place where you got to come and you got to walk through all these steps and have your life together as a follower of Jesus and have all your boxes checked and have all your stuff together in order for God to be used in, your, or in order for God to use you and use your life to affect other people, we might as well all leave. That bothered me. And I, like, I tried to encourage this person, like, listen, like, it's not about that. Like, yes, it is a place where you, it's a safe place to come. Because listen, the church should be, should look, I've heard this before, that the church should look more like a hospital than a museum. It's not a place where you come and you just look, put on this facade, like, I got all my stuff together. Like, yes, we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He sees us as holy. He sees us as redeemed. We are heaven-bound by that cross and what Jesus did on it. The price is paid. It is finished. He is risen from the dead. All power is given to us. So we are redeemed. But at the same time, life is happening. And there are things that we don't have the answers for. There are things that we, there are boxes in our life that we're trying to check. We're trying to work through. There's struggles that we have. There are dark moments. There's mistakes that we make. There's forgiveness to be had. There's forgiveness to be received. There's confession to be made. There's repentance to be made as well. And I think that there's this, if, if conduit, guys, if conduit, if we go any further, if God's heart for every man, woman, child, it is this, that he wants to use them to be on mission for every other man, woman, and child. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to the repentance, that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this is the heart of where we're at in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This conversation that I had with this person it bothered me to the point where I need you to know before we go any further. I need you to know where do you fit in at Conduit? Where, where do you fit in whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or f- 50 years? Where do you fit in? And I think, I think today as we read this passage, as we have this understanding that whether it's five minutes or 50 years, And no matter where you're at in your journey, that as followers of Jesus, we need each other. And that diversity is actually a gift from God. Okay. Here we go. Verse 12. Everybody there? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So if you're new to church and you hear, or if you've ever heard in your life, uh, if you've ever heard a pastor or someone that goes to church refer to a church as the body, and you're like, that's weird. 
Um, just know that this is kind of where that's coming from. All right, that may, like, like to the rest of us, are like, oh, and say, like, all right, the body, this, that, and you're just like, what is happening? This is weird. They're, the body, what? That, this is what it's talking about. So just so you know, now you're in, all right? Christianese 101. Here we go. Verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. That's important. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. For in one spirit, we believe that God is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three present during creation. God the Son, Jesus being born of a Virgin Mary. We've just talked about that through Christmas. We understand that Jesus lived 33 years, he came, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, he was put in the tomb, for three days he was dead, completely dead. And after three days he he rose from the dead, conquered the grave, conquered sin, he was here for about 40 days, taught his disciples, taught his followers, appeared, not not just crazy religious people, historically, historically, even in First century Jewish culture, first, gen- first century Jewish history books appeared to over 500 witnesses. So if you're having this issue with like, I don't know about the credibility of the Bible, although it is, in my opinion, and my belief is completely inerrant, you can look at first century um, histo- uh, historians and they had the same recording. Side note. But yes, Jesus came, 33 years, died, rose again, appeared, and then he ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit Jesus talked about the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God that would even be better than him. He almost talks about the Holy Spirit from this angle of like, y'all, 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 y'all think I'm great, just wait. And he encouraged his disciples specifically to wait right in Jerusalem because I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you my spirit. And that's exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit came and it indwelt not just those disciples, but indwelt those early believers. And every believer that has received by faith, by faith, ask Jesus to save them, ask God to come into their life, that they have received the Holy Spirit by faith to indwell inside of them. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, we're not here this day, but on, in John 17, it's one of the, you can read this later if you're, if you're, if you're really into what's, what we're talking about today, write this down. John chapter 17. It's a really long prayer. You know those really, you guys have those really long prayers in your family? Like Uncle Mark or, uh, or Uncle Jerry or, um, or anybody else that you know um, that prays really long? Jesus' prayer in John 17 is really long. But one of the best things, here's like the highlight. This is like the highlight moment of what Jesus said in his prayer His prayer, Jesus, God the Son, is talking to the Father, and he says this, Father, make them, he's talking about his disciples behind him, Father, make them one, as you and I are one. Listen, church, this is God's prayer for you and me and the church as a whole, that we would be one. As God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are one. Amen. So when it says, for when one spirit you were all baptized into one body. And Jews or Greeks or slaves or free. All, all were made to drink of one spirit. 
Oh, man, there's so many things I could say there. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, <laughs> this is where I'm like, these are like the best. Uh, con- so if you ever, if you're thinking about teaching conduit kids, and you're like, I don't know what, what I would ever say. This is a good place to start, because you'll have their attention, all right? If the body consists, for, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, <laughs> that would not make it any less of a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, but that would make it any less of the part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each of them, as he chose. If it were all a single member, where would the whole body be? Are you with me still? All right, verse 20. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot see, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and are unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed to the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all Rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. When you round the corner to a new year, there is this uh, frantic, sometimes exciting temptation to get all new things and I don't know I've heard this many times and I don't know if it was Katie that said this or or if it's just something that that she said but I remember um, hearing this quite a bit but this quote that um, God doesn't make all new things God makes all things new and there's a huge difference in that he says it in Revelation 21. He says it in Isaiah, and he refers to it in a couple different phrases in the Gospels. That God doesn't make, no, God, that God is making all things new. He doesn't make all new things. He makes all things new. Let that, let that settle for just a moment. God isn't as interested in making all new things. He's making all things new. New. It's more about restoration. It's more about polishing it off. It's more about going back and saying, what, what is here that could be fixed? What is here that could be redeveloped? What is here that could be redone? 
What is here that could be undone, unrestored? And I think there's this temptation that when we come into a new year that we just got to like scrap it all. When in reality, the challenge that I want to bring into today that, that as we look at the body, the body of Christ, our spiritual gifts, our relationships with one another, every man, woman, and child, is that when we would see one another, as we'd see this city, as we'd see our coworkers, that we would see, yes, different. We'd see diversity, yes. But we wouldn't see different. We would see beauty. That we would see all things new. And how God is making all those things new. How is he making all those things new? How is he working on the person next to you? How is he building and shaping and molding your husband or your wife or your friend or that coworker you can't stand? How is he working in the lives of the people in your church that you struggle to be around? How is it when you're a part of a group, um, a Bible study or an open house, there's this temptation, Miss Know-It-All, to sit down in your chair and think, this is not up to my level. Shame on you. You should sit in your chair and say, you know what? I'm here to serve. I'm here to offer. I'm here to teach. I'm here to love. I'm here to polish off some of the things that are in this room, and I'm here to to help and serve and help them bring them to an understanding. Because I am not being, I've not been given the knowledge I have. I've not been given the experiences I have so I can just hoard onto it and keep climbing up some ladder of discipleship. Discipleship for me is sitting down at the table and saying, how can I help them? How can I bring them along? It's what Jesus did when he prayed that prayer. He says, God, make them one as you and I are one. He saw everybody with that perspective of making all things new, not all new things. He didn't say, okay, where is the better place? Where's the better house? Where's the better church? Where's the better city? Where's the better wife? Where's the better husband? Where's the better friend? Where's the better car? Where's the, and I'm not saying that all those things are, are bad, but maybe for you, it's not about finding the new thing. Maybe for you, this season about, is about God making those things new. God polishing off. God restoring those things in your life and making them new. What does it have to do with the members of the body? It has everything to do with the members of the body. This is the context. So the ear is talking to the nose. And they're having a conversation. Like, did anybody not, did did you see that? Like, did that not, how did that go, like, how did that not get any chuckles or anything? Like, y'all, this is in the Bible. God's got a sense of humor. The ear and the nose are having a conversation. (laughs) What is happening here? They're like, no, you can't smell. Well, you can't hear. Well, you can't smell. Like, could you just imagine this happening? But this is exactly, why is this in the word? Because this is what we do. This is what we do. I know I just went on this whole tangent about, like, new things and making all things new. But, guys, it's no different. It's no different. When we're talking about ears and noses and parts of 
the parts of the body of Christ, we do the same thing. There should be this, this idea that there is, there's a foot, some of y'all are feet, some of y'all are armpits, all right? Some of y'all are pinky toes. Some of y'all, but each one of us has a part to play. Each one of us has an important part to play in the body of Christ. Here's the point. And here's the actual point of that part of the passage. The ear, although really cool. The nose, really cool. The foot, I don't know, but it's mentioned. They're, they're, it's not about cool. It's not about strong. It's not about unique. Here's the point of it. They're a part of the body. They're a part of the body. And when you walk in this room, and when you're a part of conduit, when you're a part of this vision, before we, go in, before we do anything in this city, before you go any further in your home, before you go any further in this church, living, loving, and serving is this perspective. Is that we're all the body. And you may be an ear. And you may be an eye. You may be a nose. You may be like super smart. You may have it all figured out. Or you may have a lot of experience. Or you may have this or that. I think you've been given that. I think I think I would argue, I think you've been given that to be used of God. And if you're that person that feels like, man, I'm like the I'm like kind of the corner of that pinky toenail. And like I'm barely squeaking in the door. And like maybe someday I'll grow back onto that toe. And then maybe I'll become a toe and then a foot and then an ankle. If I could just be an ankle, man, you know, like so maybe that's your thought process. You need to understand. I know, so weird. (laughs) Follow me. But y'all are with me though, right? No? Okay. You may not feel that you're a part of what's happening, but I need you to know that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And it's just as true in this first letter to the church of Corinth as it is in the second church or the second letter to the church of Corinth in chapter 5. That when all things become new, and you're connected to the body, if you have made a decision to follow Christ, if you've begun new life in Christ, you're a part of the body of Christ. You're connected. You may not feel connected, but I need you to know, by the fact of what it's describing here, is that every part is, is, is just as important. And then the last thing I want to point out is that even though you are connected. All of these parts are very different. How different is the ear from the nose? How different is the ear from the nose? I think, I said this towards the beginning, and I want to just park on this and end on this. <laughs> because I think it reflects God's creativity. Um, <laughs> um, I think... I would actually argue, because there's, in our culture right now, in our political culture, in our, um, every part of our culture, there is, uh, there's this buzz around diversity. 
whether it's racial diversity or, and, and I don't, I'm not trying to downplay any of that conversation. I'm really not. But I think sometimes that can become, I don't want that to put, be put in a place where when I'm saying diversity, it, what is diverse in your life? Where do, what is the diversity in your life that God is challenging you to see as a part of one? What is the thing in your life that God's wanting to not see like, okay, that's not like me and that's different and I don't want any part of that. Whereas he's wanting you to see that, okay, God's made all things new. Now that diversity, nope, nope, I'm called to be a part of that. I'm called to accept that. I'm called to receive them by the name of Jesus and the love of Jesus and I'm going to live, love, and serve them. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your son. Maybe it's your daughter. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's not even a relational thing. Maybe it's just how you see yourself, how God's made you. God's creativity. I, I think that it's funny because I think God gave us the gift of diversity. I think God gave us the gift of diversity. I really do. I think he gave us the gift of diversity because he doesn't want us to leave out anything good. Like, I think God is so creative. Think of, this, think of it from this perspective. When God created all of the animals, when God created all of us, when God created all of the trees, when God created all of the lakes and ponds and rivers and oceans, when God created all the mountains, when God created all of the snowflakes, are any of them the same? It's almost as if he had this giant buffet line of like, all right, nothing can be the same. Diversity is a gift. Siblings. Need I say more? Siblings, right? Siblings are, they're kind of the same. You kind of look like each other, but like you can tell you're related sort of, but you're so different. You couldn't be more diverse. But what is God calling you to do to live, love, and serve them? Whether they're right next door or right across the world, what is God calling you to do in that realm of diversity in your life? To live, love, and serve them. So this is the thing. We have to get this. We have to understand this before we go any further. When we talk about every man woman, and child to us, in my opinion, my strong opinion, and Conduit's strong opinion, we're talking, when we say every man, woman, and child, we're talking about every man, every woman, and every child. God has a plan, and he loves them all. He made them all. And we're stewards of them. We're stewards of loving them, serving them, and living with them. And I love this perspective because you look at things like, <laughs> um, especially in church, you look at things like, um, even, even in churches, you look at uh, denominations, um, this will get your attention. Um, even denominations. Denom- if you're not a church person, denominations, a lot of times churches are part of a denomination. It's kind of like a, maybe like a larger corporate organization that has a certain 
theological belief system that, or like governing structure that carries down to churches all over the, the country or world or whatever. Conduit is a non-denominational church. Um, nothing against denominations. But a lot of people ask, like, wait, what is the purpose of a denomination? And then they, start, then they go right in to start bashing denominations. And Conduit is a non-denominational church, but not because denominations are bad. I think denominations can be a gift because there's no good thing left out. God is creative and he uses each particular denomination to reach a certain type of people. Conduit is, hey, newsflash, Conduit is very different than the church down the road this way and the church down the road this way. But here's the cool thing. Is the church down the road this way and the church down the road that way are doing amazing things to reach people in their neighborhood and in this city. It's incredible. And I want to be a part of the greater body of Christ that's reaching the people that God wants us to reach. But as a whole, we need to reach every man, woman, and child that God puts right in front of us, right over there, wherever God leads us to go. This is the perspective that I want us to have before we go any further, that we are all part of the body. And you may be here today and you say, you know what, I'm not, I, I'm not a part of the body. I, I literally, I, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know what you're saying. Um, I've talked a lot about Jesus. I've talked a lot about what he did for us on the cross. And maybe today for you, it's as simple as this. Today, you want to receive Jesus as your Savior. Today, it's beginning new life in Christ. Today, it's being, becoming a part of that body, attaching yourself to, as on that journey with Jesus, to not be alone, to be a part of a group of people that are trying to follow Jesus and running after him as well. And so I just want to simply invite you to do that this morning. It's simply like this. It's you recognizing that you're a sinner. It's recognizing that he died for your sins. It's recognizing that, that he knows you, he's made you, he's loved you. He, and he's desiring greatly to lead you and redeem you. And not just for you to pray a prayer in this moment today, but to literally begin a relationship with him and letting his word be your guide, letting his Holy Spirit inside of you be your power, in your strength, in your comforter, and letting your whole life be a mission of living and loving and serving. Hopefully today will be the day that you make that decision. And if it is, please let us know. We'd love to walk you through that. We'd love to pray with you. And I just want to take a moment uh, just at this, at this time, and um, I want to spend the rest of the, in the next 10 minutes and I just want to um, spend some time praying. I want to kind of guide you guys through uh, prayer time. But I also, there's going to be a lot of um, a silence. There's going to be a lot of time for you just to reflect. So I'm going to give you uh, maybe 30 seconds or so. You know, if you feel at this time, if you feel like the most comfortable place for you to be is right where you're sitting, great. If you feel like the most comfortable place for you to be is on your knees right at your pew, great. If you feel the most comfortable place for you to be to pray um, is up here at the altar. This is always open for you um, to come kneel at this altar. 
Um, if you would like to pray um, with one of our leaders, um, come forward. We'd love to pray with you. Um, as well, Pastor Cameron is up here. Any of our, if you want to come forward too, um, if any of our leaders, you see them praying, um, they'd love to come pray with you as well. So I'll just give you about 30 seconds and, um, to get comfortable, and then we'll begin um, our prayer time.